to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading. And on Thursday, September 5th, Sienna announced earnings. Uh, Q3 revenues were at uh, $960.6 million, an increase of 17, more than 17% year over year. Um, we had the opportunity to talk about what's going on with Sienna's CEO, Gary Smith. Um, we talked about the web scale business, what's going on uh, with optical transport and those particular internet firms, uh, where the demand seems to be coming from, how long that demand will continue. We talked about uh, Sienna's Blue Planet business, how it's soon to be a $100 million a year business and what's driving that. Um, Sienna's stock price went down. Uh, we briefly mentioned that. The stock price closed at uh, uh, down 158 uh, to 39.62, which is down about 4% uh, at the end of trading on Thursday, September 5th. So it was down slightly overall, but uh, very interesting that the stock dropped almost as soon as Sienna not only announced good earnings, but a, a really good forecast for where things are going. So we discuss a little bit of that. And of course, we talk about Sienna competitors. Uh, we talk about Cisco. We talk about what uh, Huawei's predicament means for Sienna. And I get uh, uh, Gary uh, Smith to answer a couple of uh, personal uh, kind of silly questions as well. Uh, I mean, it is a light reading interview after all. Uh, so please uh, enjoy after the break this interview with uh, Sienna's CEO, Gary Smith. Good. Hey, Phil. How are you doing, Gary? Doing well. All right. Uh, so yeah, let's get into this. I know you've got uh, a limited amount of time, um, seeing as how you're just off of earnings and running a company and all that stuff. The the light reading story about earnings uh, for, for for Sienna focused on the web scale business. Um, are the I guess my first question is: Are the internet based companies that are buying from you is it more than just um, transport? between data centers? Is there is there more product going into that sector? Well, there's different there's different elements of it. it, it it's sort of multifaceted. It's um, distribution to local cacheting uh, data centers. Mm -hmm. It's the, the increasingly their submarine uh, cable network, um, you know, of which a lot of the, the internet players are either owners of cable or parts of cable. And, you know, a lot of this traffic is now international. Um, the other element, Phil, is you've got a lot of the, the web scale folks, uh, you know, building out international data centers. Right. So you've got it. You've got it within the different countries. You've got submarine cables carrying it. Then you've got bringing it back into the data centers, uh, you know, in North America and different parts of the world. So, you know, it's 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 multifaceted uh, relationship, but really all all centered around you know connecting their data centers in their various forms and all driven by i guess the constant uh increase in traffic for um yeah. streaming and everything else they're hosting yeah How absolutely long? be it enterprise or be it you know any of the video or you know it's the whole the whole gamut of capacity requirements how long do you think that trend keeps up in terms of just the um, because the each quarter it seems like the numbers get more and more surprising about how much uh, activity is going on in that sector? Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's just the, the amount of data center build out just, you know, carries on unabated, uh, you know, and I think there's, you know, insatiable demand for uh, that kind of uh, capacity, you know, both, you know, as they go into new emerging markets, new countries, uh, develop new product. Um, you've also got a lot of them delivering into the enterprise space, right. you know, software as a service. So, you know, you've got basically this whole move to the cloud in its various forms is driving all of that. And I, I think I see no, no, no let up in that, in that build out. Um, let's talk about your software business, the Blue Planet business. Um, you mentioned it's soon to be a uh, $100 million a year or 100 million plus a year uh, business as far as revenue goes. What's what's driving that growth? Um, you know, basically, it's a it's mainly into the carrier space and looking at automating their networks. Um, you know, the challenge that most of the carriers got is their back office, if you will. You know, was not designed to deliver data and video. It was designed to deliver you know phone service to to your house and and your enterprise, and so. Mm this this need to automate their networks to be able to deliver these new kinds of traffic is really what's what's driving that and the challenge they have is you know is how do they you know automate the delivery and creation of those services and so it's things like you know inventory what have they got on the network route optimization you know and then just pure uh, orchestration of the of the connectivity so those are the things that are that, that are driving that as they you know seek over time to replace their legacy OSS systems. So the a different customer set from the you know the, the big hardware business is or most of the hardware business um, is is going toward uh, the web scale companies and the telcos are bigger customers of Blue Planet uh, software and orchestration. Uh, uh, products is that is that fair? Yes, yeah, that, that's that, that's fair at this stage. Although, you know, we do see some opportunities within the web scale, and we are doing some stuff with them on Blue Planet. It's it's generally around the OSS systems and the telco, and you know, and the reason for that is, you know, the web scale folks have had the opportunity to you know build their networks from a greenfield perspective. Right. You know, they don't have to deal with all the legacy that the. Uh, that a lot of the carriers have to deal with. And so that they're in a very different position in terms of automation. Yeah, indeed. It, it's, it's, um, it's quite stunning how many, especially with, you know, because the, I guess adding to that complication of the legacy telco networks is the fact that they had many of those businesses were really acquisitive and bought all kinds of different yeah. companies. And so, yeah. um, so that's yeah. been kind of an interesting thing. Do you feel like CN is ever going to go farther down that road in terms of providing um, more and more OSS, BSS capabilities? And if you if you have designs on that, would that be by acquisition? Or is there is there a natural growth for Blue Planet in terms of um, its development there? You know, I would never rule out sort of acquisitions and certainly, you know, specific elements. We've done a couple of acquisitions in the last 12 months or so you know, to augment some of the, the capabilities, sort of, um, you know, Don River on the uh, <clears throat> on the inventory, mm-hmm. uh, uh, federated inventory side of things. Um, you know, so I wouldn't rule out but I, I, those kind of acquisitions. But, 
you know, I think I don't think our ambition would lie in replacing, you know, the full OSS, you know, stack. It's really mm-hmm. picking off the elements that we think we can deliver good outcomes to, and and specifically, you know, in the pain points of these carriers. I I I, I would I would sort of hesitate around thinking we'd be in the broader OSS market. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just I, I just wonder because it's sort of like once you um, yep. I know how telcos think too with that whole like well why don't we just buy everything from you you know um, kind <laughs> of point of view um, yeah in the uh, I don't even know if this is a thing but the stock price went down after you had a great quarter is what do you think happened there or is there is there um, how do you react to stuff like that when you you're, you're reporting these amazing sales figures and you're also saying that we're going to keep growing and everything looks fine. And then investors are like, yeah, I got, I got to get rid of this. <laughs> what, how do you, how do you uh, react uh, to that? Well, I've been doing this for over two decades, so I don't get, you know, I don't, <laughs> don't get too phased by what happens on earnings day. Right. Um, you know, g- generally speaking over time, the markets, you know, get to the right place. And, um, I think, listen, you know, it, it, it's a case in point. We overachieved, you know, considerably in the last quarter in every dimension. Mm-hmm. We actually up guidance, you know, guidance for Q4, and we reaffirmed where everybody is basically uh, uh, next year. Right. So, you know, I don't know many companies that actually give guidance that far out. Um, no, it's very and rare. And also, you know, and also we're looking even next year to double the market rate of growth. Hmm. Um, and increase our profitability. You know, we're growing our EPS at something like 20, 25% CAGA. Hmm. So, you know, as a long-term investor, that's a, you know, that's a pretty uh, attractive, attractive play. So, yeah, I, I scratch my head on this sometimes. Yeah, I, I do too, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not in that game. So I just, I just have to ask the questions. Um, what's the, uh, competitive analysis of, uh, of Huawei's predicament at the moment? Um, are, are you, it seems like, you know, them being held back in North America is benefiting you. Um, are you guys picking up share from them in other areas, uh, in other parts of the world? I, I think it's, it, it's tough to discern that directly. I mm. mean, I think, um, you know, we're not active with any of the major China carriers either. Okay. So, you know, um, I think that I think the challenge, you know, to some extent, is that generally speaking, in the telecom equipment market, you know, Huawei have gained such a large market share so quickly that I think you've probably got some carriers just, you know, uh, trying to remove their dependency or at least reduce their dependency. Mm-hmm. On on Huawei as a player, I think that's just a natural market force, frankly, around anybody having such a large particular market share across all of telecom infrastructure. You know, is probably not a healthy thing. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think you'll see over time that that benefit us, but I can't discern any uh, particular, uh, you know, uh, business right now what? as a result of that. Are you worried about Cisco pushing more into um, getting into the, you know, selling to web scale companies and uh, and 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 getting, uh, I guess, grabbing more of that business? I mean, since the acquisition, the proposed acquisition of Acacia. Yeah, um, yeah, because that's a that's a pretty yeah. strategic uh, uh, win for them, I think. 
Well, you know, we see them with they the, we see the same combination now. We compete with them now right. uh, in that in that uh, in the particularly in the web scale space. So I don't really see any change to that. You know, the fact that they own the asset probably makes it a bit easier for them. But uh, you know, I don't really see that as a change in dynamic in that space. Um, uh, you know, I think overall, I, I think it, it, it's a bit of a challenge for some of the smaller players that are dependent on the merchant silicon out of um, Acacia. You know, over time, I think I would imagine that um, Cisco would focus it more onto the data center connectivity, which is why they made the acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess with Cisco, the 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 thing is they can also be you know quite acquisitive um and and i do think that maybe yeah that having that um, integrated story with acacia helps them quite a bit uh but you don't see that as like changing the their ability to sell into any of those companies yeah okay no it's the same i mean you know it's the same combination as they've got now uh yeah you know we're seeing that now i think it really just validates our strategy around being vertically integrated you know i think you're going to see if you know a few larger players that have got global scale being the, you know, the surviving players in this space. Does Sienna name its web scale company, its web scale customers anywhere? No, we haven't done that. We, we haven't done that. Do I you mean, talk they, about uh, what type of co- companies they are? Uh, because web scale is, you know, it could be mostly social networks or it could be video delivery or whatever. It covers a multitude of sins, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, we, we haven't broken that down. Um, but you know, I think it's fair to say it's the it's the the, the classic household names that you uh, you probably know. Okay. Um, and then you, you know, but those are the ones that feature in the sort of ten percent. You know, and we've got three of those in our largest ten percent customer piece. But you've got a lot of smaller players as well in data center connectivity um, that you know in themselves are not major customers, but in aggregate, you know, make up a, a pretty big part of that. And we've got about 20, uh, 27%, something like that, of direct business with these, you know, generally sort of web scale type players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating business to me. It's, it's amazing that the growth just continues. And, um, and yeah. I guess what we're seeing on the video yeah. side of things, that, it, that the video business of delivering video over the top just continues to... Um, get yeah. more fragmented but people are just throwing more money at it too so it's interesting yeah you've got a lot you know you've got a lot more content going in there and you know you you see that in any country you go to you see in places like india we've got massive amounts of video now being delivered to the phone mm-hmm. edge computing does that factor into uh the i know that factors into the transport business but is that going mm-hmm. to be a major market for sienna or is that still in the so far in the development stage um, I guess I'm curious as to where you're where you're placing your bets there. Well, I mean, I think so far in the development stage, but you know, it's interesting to us because basically, you know, that will drive bandwidth, and, and anything that yeah. drives bandwidth is good for us. And so, you know, edge computing in itself, uh, you know, will be sort of equivalent to sort of cacheing locally, but you've still got to get that traffic out to the end user. Uh, and then hold it. So, you know, from our point of view, we see that as a positive dynamic, you know, just similarly to 5G or any of those other pieces. I mean, you know, if you step back from any of those things, it's really about getting high-speed connectivity to the end user closer to them. 
Yeah. And so typically, you know, typically things like edge compute, it really is about getting fiber closer to the end consumer in their various forms, be it mobile or, or fixed. Um, so generally, all of that is good good for us. Okay. Three personality questions. Um, first, uh, <laughs> favorite Sinatra, Frank or Nancy? Frank. Okay. Do you own a boat? Absolutely not, but I have lots of friends that do. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, when you have French fries, do you what do you dip them in? Uh, mayonnaise. It's my European background. Fair enough. All right. I'm, I lost a bet on that one. I was going to say, I said cash money. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Uh, Gary Smith, thank you very much for uh, uh, spending the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by Tian Fu in New York. Our show notes are all available at lightreading.com. As a reminder, you can get the Light Reading Podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and dozens of other platforms and apps. Thanks again for listening, and thanks for getting your telecom news from lightreading.com.